Hello and welcome to another edition of Jack's Throwback Attack. This week we have some great memories of CITV back in the days of it being broadcast live from Birmingham. If you used to rush home from school to watch it every day between half past three and five on the main ITV channel, then you'll certainly want to give this a listen. Now, as someone who watched this every day as a child, I'm pleased to have with me today a former CITV presenter. It's Leah Charles-King. Hello. Hi, how are you? Not too bad, thank you. Yourself? It's great to be here, Jack. I'm really looking forward to this chat, actually, going down memory lane. It's always good fun. Um, now, uh, you were a CITV presenter doing the bits in between the programmes between, I looked it up online, between 2001 and 2003. And I have to say, it doesn't seem that long ago. <laughs> I know, but it's definitely a different different lifetime ago. You know, so I did, I did the continuity in the afternoons. I also had a show on there as well called Land Jam. Yeah. It was like the first kind of computer game show of its kind. It was terrible. Though. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> Probably, yeah, not my best. Not in terms of my work. Just in the whole thing just was a bit, a bit cringe to look at now. But it's all good. Good memories. Indeed, indeed. Um, so prior to all that, was that what you always wanted to do? Did you always want to be a presenter? Well, no, I was in the music industry for almost 10 years before I became a CITV presenter, which was my first telly job. So I was in a girl band called Cliché in the 90s. And we had some songs in the charts and we toured and, you know, we did some really amazing things. And then when the group ended, and we were all first cousins, by the way. So when the group ended, like in my late teens, I then... Uh, wanted to get into presenting anyway because when we were doing like the road shows and like the smash it tours and going on MTV and all that type of stuff that was around back then um I always looked at the presenters and thought it looks like a really cool gig but to be honest with you nobody then wanted to be a presenter it wasn't a thing obviously there was no social media so it wasn't like you could start up a Instagram or a Facebook channel or even a YouTube channel like these things didn't exist and people wanted to be actors or they wanted to be singers um, or sportsmen and women obviously so I had already done the singing thing and for me I thought all right it's not as glamorous as um, as my music career but presenting looks fun I'm going to try it out and I am um, I, and I almost didn't actually apply for CITV, to be honest with you, Jack. I almost didn't do it, but I did at the very last minute. And um, I ended up going to Birmingham and auditioning, you know, with 100 other people. It was pretty surreal, but pretty cool because I grew up watching CITV just like you. Yeah. So how did you actually find out that um, CITV were looking for new presenters? Well, to be honest with you, I was uh, quite depressed at the time. And anyone who's following my story uh, knows that I recently, in the last year or so, have been speaking out about being bipolar mm -hmm. and having mental illness, anxiety, etc. Um, and after the group ended, my girl band ended, it was the first time that I really suffered depression because I was in the band from when I was like 12 years old. You know, I'd done it for so many years. And before we got signed, before we released music. So it really was my life. And when the group ended, I became so depressed. And I just remember being on the sofa. I'd made this show reel, um, this video, VHS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was about half an hour long. And anyone who knows about a show reel know, knows that a show reel should be about two, three minutes maximum. But mine was about half an hour, 45 minutes. And I had it on VHS and it was sat there and every day I'd see this advert come up on CITV and in the afternoons, it was still on ITV then. And it would say, um, we're looking for new presenters to join Stephen Mohan and Danielle Nichols and blah, blah, blah. And I would just look at it and just my mind wasn't in the, in the right place. You know, I, I still felt really kind of low. And back in those days, we didn't talk about depression and things like that. Then we didn't really know about it as we do now. So I didn't quite understand what was going on within me. But at the very, the very last day to submit, I put in, I sent that video off and I forgot about it. And about two months later, I get this voicemail saying, hey, you've been selected. 
um, for an audition. I just thought it was a joke, to be honest, because it was the same, uh, the voiceover guy, you know, Steve Ride? Yeah. He used to do the voiceovers, right. Um, he, he, was, he was also like a producer there. So it was him that called me up and left this voice note. And so I thought it was a joke because obviously this is a voice that I hear on TV all the time. I'm completely new to this. I remember calling. They said, no, 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 it's not a joke. You know, come up to Birmingham. And uh, it was like the following week, come up to Birmingham and have this audition. So I went up there and I auditioned and it went really well. And then they invited us, a certain group, I don't know, I think by then maybe got whittled down to about 30 or something. And we were up in Birmingham for a whole week. They put us in a hotel. They put us in like a travel lodge or something and hmm. we'd be sharing rooms, you know what I mean? It was all yeah. bit, it was very much like, how pop stars, the rivals and all that stuff. Cause it was of that era. All these shows were just emerging. So it really had that buzz of it. We were just staying in it for a whole week. And every day we'd have different challenges at the custard factory in Birmingham. I, I do remember it actually, mm. as we're talking about it. And yeah, it just got whittled down until I was, you know, the, one of the last four standing and then the kids voted me in. So that's how I how I became a CITV presenter. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's a great story. And I, I do remember it. Um, didn't they like broadcast the auditions in like a kind of like you said, like a pop stars arrivals kind of thing? I'm yes. sure they did. Yes, exactly that. And I wish somebody could find that. I would love to see that. <laughs> it would make me cringe. But my goodness, actually, I forgot. You're right. They Of course, they filmed it in that way. They absolutely did. And um, I actually forgot about that. I would love to see that, my goodness. Well, for anybody listening, if you've got it, put it on YouTube. Please, make my dreams come true. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, after all that, I mean, how did you feel when, you know, they said, you've got the job, you're going to be on live telly and, and presenting to a couple of million children every day? <laughs> the thing is, it's not just a couple of million children. It's their mothers, their fathers, mm -hmm. their siblings. It's the world. I mean... CITV was such an institution. I mean, it started back in 1983. Matthew Kelly was the, obviously, the first ever presenter of it. And myself and Michael Underwood were fortunate enough to host the 20th year anniversary, yeah, which we'll get that. onto in a bit, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, to be watching something like that from when I was a kid, literally when I was a kid, to now, you know, 20 years on, being able to go on this show and, and, and being told, yes, um, you've got this part or, you know, the kids have actually voted you in. I was just really excited, but it was also very overwhelming because I remember like I had two weeks to relocate from London to Birmingham. I'd never really lived where, apart from being on the road and being on tour, um, which was still with my family. They were my cousins. But aside from that, I'd never moved away out of London, away from my family. So to say, right, in two weeks, you've got to go from living the life you've got to finding a place to live in Birmingham, start this whole new job and this whole new presenting career that you've never done before in your life was very overwhelming. But I look back with such happy nostalgia because they were great times. It really was. And as somebody who religiously watched it every day, um, yeah, it was it was fantastic. I mean, the programs are so good, and you you, you don't get that um, you don't get the envision continuity anymore, where you actually have people in a studio doing the bits in between the shows, which I think is a shame. And also, yeah. as, as somebody who grew up very close to Birmingham, I was always quite proud of the fact that CITV came from came from there um, on yeah. Gas Street. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I've got a real obviously, I've got a, a soft spot for for Brum. I always will. That's where I started my TV career and um, I had a fantastic time up there. So yeah, I've always got that kind of feeling that I guess people would have if they've been to certain universities and things like that. And I didn't, I didn't get to go to university. I was too busy being a pop star, although I wanted to go to uni. So it actually gives me that feeling of being able to live somewhere different and build up different types of friends. You know, it's a nice time. Certainly. And it's a great city as well, but maybe I'm biased in saying that. <laughs> it is a great city. Uh, do you remember your very first day on CITV? Oh, that's a really, really, really good question. Gosh, I'm digging deep here. <laughs> My very first day. 
I remember the first, yeah, actually. And I think only because I saw something on YouTube the other day. And so it's triggered this memory. But I remember when we were chosen and um, I think it was Danielle, possibly Stephen or her, not too sure, but they were saying, here's our new presenters because they were only supposed to choose one and they actually chose three of us because <laughs> some yeah. of the others were leaving. So it wasn't actually supposed to be that way, but I was happy because I was told that I'd won by a landslide. So I knew I was right in there. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, it was, it was great as well that, um, that Lee, David Leon and, and Lee Hamilton were also able to join, but there were four of us shortlisted. Um, the other guy was Chike Okonkwo and that was really difficult. I remember we all sobbed because imagine over hundreds of people, it got down to four of us and imagine the execs choosing three people Yeah, over four, you know, it was, it was tough because at that point we'd all bonded and, um, it was really hard, but he's gone off to do really big acting in America. So, Hey, um, he's probably having the last laugh, I'm <laughs> sure. But, um, you know, that first day sitting on the couch and Daniel going, here's our new presenters and sort of like, hey. Um, it, it was a feeling of pride, but also nerves. And I look back and I was obviously very, very, very green. <laughs> I'm so green, you know. I look at it and I kind of cringe, but in the same breath, I'm proud as well. And I'm just really proud to be part of such an institution. Fantastic stuff. And uh, so what I've always wondered is like, what was, an, what was an average day like? Like what time would you get to the studios and then would you have rehearsals? I assume you, you would. And then like what happened in between programs, stuff like that? What was the average day? Yeah, the average day was, uh, gosh, you're really making me dig deep, Jack. Gee wizard. <laughs> um, well, I remember the average day was getting to the studio. I lived in a few places in Birmingham. I remember I think I had about three flats there in two, two years, two and a half years that I was in brum but the it i think it was like edgebaston i lived somewhere like that so i'd come along and we'd have to get there for like 9 a.m or 9 30 blimey yeah for three really o'clock yeah. yeah it was a full nine to five it wasn't i thought oh yeah i'm a presenter you know you'll just come in and you'll do your bits and off you'll leave but actually no they wanted us there from morning till night um, in the same breath, that has made me as tenacious as I am today. I think those little key things that are instilled in you from very early on in your career gives you a certain discipline and that other people just wouldn't get now. But um, we'd get there at 9.30 and um, we'd have a production meeting about 10. So we'd go through the scripts. Yeah. Once we've gone through the scripts and I mean, we say scripts, I should really say running order because we didn't have scripts. We didn't have auto cue or scripts, so we would literally just, um, it's like, okay, you're going from Sooty to Sabrina the Teenage yeah. Witch, for example, right? So you've just got to get from A to B, and that's the bottom line. You've got to get from A to B and carry that information, whatever that information may be. So we would have that run through, um, sorry, that script read through. Then we'll go for lunch, I think it was, and then we'd have, um, we'd get ready. And then we'd have rehearsals or we'd, we'd have rehearsals first and then get ready. And basically it would just be going through the whole, the whole show, the different shots. And it was a really good crew as well. I think we had like three different camera ops and it was like a full band, so to speak. And again, you don't get that much now unless you're working on really big productions. Um, in a lot of the work that I do now can be robotic cameras, to be honest with you. So that day, uh, those days of, of being around a whole crew and whatever, was really nice. And so there was a lot of camaraderie as well. Um, we would obviously have our breakfast, lunch. We would then rehearse. We'd then get ready. We did our own hair and makeup. But anyone who watches those tapes back 20 years can probably see, yes, she did her own hair and makeup because she looks a wreck. <laughs> Um, I've, got, I've gotten better over the years of, um, you know, of doing my drag, so to speak. You know, I, I've gotten much better. And, um, yeah, that was just a typical day. And then you do the show, obviously. And then after the show, you'd finish at five. And then you still have to go upstairs, you know, back to the production office and sort of have a, a debrief. And then the next day will come. So that was literally it. It was, it was like a nine to five, but in a much more fun environment 
Certainly. Well, I didn't know it would be a, a whole day thing just for the for the hour. And, but I suppose you, you've, you've got to be prepared, haven't you? Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, it, was it was it tiring like that, or, or, or did you get used to it over time? Yeah, you know, like with any job, in the beginning, it takes up so much brain power because you just don't have the skills. And I, you could be as confident as you want and all the rest of it, but that's only halfway there. You've got to be good. Do you see what I mean? And and yeah. so trying to get good, and I'm I'm got really high expectations of myself, probably more so now than I did then. Then I was just like confident and fierce in a way, you know, and I was really up for it and I just wanted to do good and wanted to do better. Um, so I would I was working really, really hard, but I remember there was a time where we were on air and the timings went wrong or I even misheard or the PA in my ear gave the wrong timings. And I heard like, you've got 10 seconds to break. So at that point, you know, you've got to wrap up. So I remember wrapping up and then it was like, oh no, 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 sorry. You've got another minute and a half. Now to Leah Charles King in 2020, that is nothing. Like that wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be a thing. It wouldn't, like, it just wouldn't even be a thing. But Green Leah in, <laughs> you know, in 2001, um, just couldn't handle that. And I remember kind of just being mortified, sort of freezing and not knowing what to do. I didn't have the skills, obviously. And I just remember sort of, I got through it. But that minute and a half felt like it could have been five hours because that's what it feels like as a presenter. Um, if you're sort of left out in the cold, so to speak, yeah. that's a presenter term. But I remember just running off um, after it did take me to the adverts. I remember sobbing behind the curtains like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. Everything like the world had come to an end, you know, which nobody would have noticed. And obviously, 20 years on, nobody cares. Who would even remember or care about that? But at that time, I remember feeling as if that was the only thing in the world that mattered. And oh, my gosh, I've. I've destroyed my career type of situation, probably very melodramatic. But it was things like that of how, you know, you would learn and how you'd get through your day. So there were times where, especially in the beginning, I wasn't very good, but I still gave the best and actually had a really good time whilst doing it. Yeah, no, you did look like you had a, had a good time doing it. Um, I mean, I've, I've watched back some of the clips recently um and like you say a lot of camaraderie as well i mean out of all the afternoons you did and all that i mean are there any standout moments that happened or anything really funny that really stands out for you oh my gosh every day was funny and you don't realize it until now like i said i can look back on youtube and, and see videos that people put up and go oh my goodness thank you for putting that up because you just reminded me about part of my life that i've forgotten particularly you know, since then of, of being really ill and I became very, very ill um, in terms of a mental illness. So it's just wonderful now that I'm back over the years that I've rehabilitated to be able to look back at that at my humble beginnings. And just every single day was a great day because you'd be doing things that you just don't do now. We'd be doing green screen, working with puppets, working with kids, doing, you know, sketches and silly things, dressing up, you know, getting custard pies. I mean, a couple of the real highlights um, is, I mean, kids' telly was always about custard pies, yeah. wasn't it, really? Yes. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so one of the key highlights for me was uh, celebrating the 20 years anniversary and being the presenter along with Michael Underwood to host that 20-year anniversary of CITV was just such an honour. I would never, ever forget it. And to be able to work with all the other um, characters and, and presenters over the years, including Matthew Kelly, um, but Grot Bags. I mean, anyone who's grown up in my era knows that Grot Bags is a legend uh, God rest her soul. And when, um, even when I've put little clips of it on, say, Instagram and things like that, it really takes people down memory lane because they're like, oh my gosh, can't believe you got pied by grot bags. That's just legend. And I'm like, yeah, it's so legendary. And um, so I remember she whacked me hard. She whacked me hard. Um, the other things that I, there were some things I didn't like as well, like the animals. Whenever I had to do things with animals, 
Yeah. Um, it wasn't really my favorite. So I remember once having the biggest bunny in the world. They had that in the studio and I had to have it on my lap. And I know for like an average person, that might sound amazing. But for me, it wasn't amazing at all. Um, and there was also like a few dogs from different programs. And, uh, you know, you'd have to, they always say don't work with animals and kids. And yeah, I had to, I had to do it all. But to be honest with you, it, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, what brilliant times. Certainly. And uh, not only custard pie by grot bags, but I also remember you were lucky enough to be squirted with a water pistol by Sooty. I remember that. <laughs> yes, and I've also snogged Roland Rat, but don't tell anyone else about that, all right? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, definitely got squirted in the face a few times by Sooty. And, but I have to say, Roland Rat was one of my favourite characters uh, from working on CITV. And we'd have to... Gosh, there were loads of them, weren't they? Different puppets and animatronics and stuff. But I really liked Roland Rat. I liked him as the character behind it. Yeah. And he would work with his wife and his children. Um, and probably, I don't know what's, what's happened to him now. I don't know if he's still with us. I don't know if the children... I remember he was teaching his kids to take over as Roland. And I've always wondered, you know, maybe I'll try and look for them one day and just say hi because i used to see the kids quite a lot they'd go everywhere with their dad yeah so um so that is that's really interesting to know who's sort of still working roland rat i <laughs> genuinely don't well. know i'm trying to remember when i've last seen roland rat on tv yeah um, that's what i'm thinking i know they well. did uh, a weakest link special with puppets and roland was one of them but that was that was quite a while back now so i'm not yeah. sure since then I'm sure somebody will let me know. I challenge you to find him, Jack. I challenge <laughs> you to find him or whoever's flying the Roland flag, you know. But I remember from then, his children were quite young. and But he, he was teaching his whole dream, his vision was that Roland Rat, the character, will continue for many years, even after he's gone. Yeah. So it'd be very interesting to see if, if the children have, did take it over. You know, I'd be fast. I'd be yeah. the first listener on that podcast. I'm sure somebody will let me know, and if <laughs> yeah, I hope so, hopefully, hopefully. But yeah, no, some some great moments there, and I I remember watching the 20th anniversary special, and uh, it's on YouTube if anybody wants mm. to watch it, and it was. It was uh, it was quite nice that they they made that effort to celebrate it and they brought all those people into the studio, dug out all mm. that archive footage. Even though people like me watching it, going, "What's this? Never seen this before." For some of it, yeah. anyway, uh, it was it was, it was great. <laughs> it was really good. They yeah. made a really nice effort there with that. I thought. I remember it was a massive production doing that. Our uh, producer at the time, Ian France. I mean, he's now. I think he went over to CBBC many years later, and I think he's still there now. Um, head of children's there or something, but he was just like a, a associate or assistant producer. He was just literally, it was like his first gig climbing the ranks. And I will never forget that because he did such an amazing job. Every little detail that you saw in that 20 years, if you look at it now on YouTube, um, he really worked hard on that on getting every single person to be part of it and all the VTs. And it was such a big deal for us at the time. You know, this production went on for, for months before it was live. And that morning we were on GMTV and even GMTV were like live to our studio. And it was just the buzz of that day. I actually get goosebumps now thinking of it because I remember in this moment of just how exciting it all was. It was just like, wow, I can't believe that I'm here, that I'm doing this and that I'm a part of this. Oh, and I'll tell you another good, uh, good one as well was the White Knuckle Tour. Yes. Do you ever remember seeing those? Yeah, the theme parks, yeah. Yeah, I remember Yeah, that. that was a lot of fun because it would be different theme parks. I think it was about six or seven weeks, something like that. Could have been eight weeks, I don't know. But it was it was over the entire summer holidays and uh, we'd be at a different theme park every Friday. And it would just be various features like get your own back where you could put your parent on a ride for the entire show just because, you know, maybe your parent made you clean up your bedroom. And so it was time for you to get your, you know, pay payback type of thing. So it was just a really good show. And it was all of us presenters. So it was myself, Stephen Mulhern, Michael Underwood, Lee Hamilton, David Leon. Um, and yeah, and all these big pop stars. It's a massive stage and had all the bands of the time, the blues, the Liberty X's, the Busted's. The Atomic Kittens, the S Club Juniors, the S Club Sevens. Um, 
yeah, if you haven't ever watched those, I think there are some clips on YouTube. So do check check them out, definitely. And I also remember um, the Snow Dome at Christmas. I think you presented from there at one point, didn't you? Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I seem the to remember snow that. The Snow Dome, yeah. Yeah, in Tamworth. Yeah, the, where the, the fake skiing snow place in Tamworth. Yes, yeah, we yeah. did. And you know what? I remember that. With a snowboarding Santa or something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Michael and I were supposed to go up on these uh, ski... What are they called? Not sleds. Ski, not a, ski lifts, uh, is it? Or, say that again? Ski lift? Up the ski lift? No. No, um, no, not a ski lift. You know, you like a bike, but it's in the snow. What are they called again? Uh, I can't think. It's going to come to us when we finish this interview, I'm sure. I remember Michael and I, we were on one each, and I just couldn't drive. I couldn't get mine up, and they were like... Oh, Snow Kitty. Take two to... Is it Say snow, that again? Snow Kitty. Is that it? Snow... Yeah, something yeah, like that. Like those oh, electric things that you drive for the snow. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And um, I just remember, like, it was about 10 takes, and, like, <laughs> I literally just could barely start the engine. I was that ridiculously rubbish. And so in the end, we had to change the entire thing and I had to get at the back of Michael so that he could ride it, you know. <laughs> so um, those kind of things are quite funny. I didn't even think of that. My goodness. Wow. I've, I've got a ridiculously good memory. <laughs> you really do. My God. I've done my research. I mean, the other thing as well I wanted to bring up, because um, I'm, I'm sure you'll have many happy memories of doing this, um, you and a few other CITV presenters at the time were lucky enough to be contestants on Jungle Run, weren't you? You've just read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it was myself, um, Gail... Gail McKenna, wasn't it? Gail McKenna, that's right. And... Um, Oh, gosh. She used to present with me for a little bit in the afternoon. She also presented with Michael. Kate on... McIntyre, was it? Kate McIntyre, yes. It. Yes, I loved Kate McIntyre, actually. Really good girl. I mean, yeah, so the three of us, that's right, the three of us were on Jungle Run. <laughs> you want to know about that? <laughs> oh, certainly, certainly. I did. I, it's on YouTube and I had a look the other night. I have to say, probably one of the worst performances ever, but must have been good. <laughs> a good laugh. <laughs> One of, seriously was terrible. Now, there were two things there. First one is, please send me that link, because I saw it years ago, but I couldn't find it myself recently, so I'd love to see that back. Will do. But um, I remember, first of all, I actually auditioned for Jungle Run. Okay. And, um, yeah, because, uh, gosh, I forgot the guy who stopped doing it. And then... It was Chris Jarvis. and right. Okay, yep. That was, that was, it was the second Chris Jarvis, one, yeah. yeah. So Chris Jarvis was leaving. So they thought, you know, usually it would be like, okay, we'll look at the CITV presenters first. So I know that Michael went for an audition and I went for an audition. And it was that time where it was like, it would be great to have somebody different. And actually, I was really strong in the audition and they really liked me. I'm glad Michael got it. I think he was perfect for it. But I think as a, a female, like Lara Croft was out at that time. Yeah. So I went in there with that whole type of vibe. And I thought this could have been really cool if Jungle Run was now a female uh, leader. But to be honest with you, that would have been a bit too ahead of its time. As ridiculous as it sounds now, because you're like, well, why not? But you have to remember 20 years ago, we still wasn't seeing as much diversity mm. and equality when it came to women in key positions um, yeah. on camera on TV. So now I don't think it would be an issue. I definitely think probably a woman would probably get it more so, to be honest with you. But back then, but the consolation prize was that I got to be on the actual show, which was fantastic. And I just thought Jungle Run was the most amazing show ever because it was filmed in a big airport hangar. And they literally built a whole jungle. Like, and I grew up on Crystal Maze. Yep. So for me, Jungle Run was like the, the next best thing to Crystal Maze. It was like, Definitely. oh my gosh. And being in this huge place of all these different zones, it was exactly like how you saw it on the telly. And I remember it was hot like a jungle. It was boiling in there, boiling. And the sweat that you see was true sweat. Like it was absolutely <laughs> boiling. And it was, it was great to be with Michael because obviously myself and Michael had been presenting that point on CITV for a while together. So it was really nice to be on a show that he was hosting elsewhere and me actually being part of that. Because we were 
best mates at that time. So it was wonderful. And um, I remember going there, remember the awe of it and just going, wow, this is just so amazing. And those monkeys and the different, you know, it was just really, yeah. really cool. It, it was, was really great. exactly how you saw. But our performance was terrible. <laughs> and one thing that nobody ever spoke about was the fact that I almost drowned <laughs> in that pool. So yeah. if anybody watches back, and that's why I want to watch it back. I want to see if, but I think they edited it out in a way so you couldn't see that I was drowning because it probably wasn't the best thing for them to show on telly. But, um, there was this big rock pool. I forget what the challenge was called. And what you had to do was swing from a rope to get to the other side and, um, you know, bring something, whatever across you were bringing. But as you were doing that, the monkeys were on one side throwing really hard coconuts at you. Yeah. Now, I can't swim. Okay. <laughs> so this was before the days of health and safety checks before seeing if somebody's exactly. suitable for a programme or not. <laughs> exactly that. In fact, you know what? Now that I think about it, there wasn't even a paramedic or anyone on oh, standby dear. like that, you know, when I really think about it. No, there wasn't. Um, it was just production crew and it is what it is. But this is what I mean by people these days have it actually really easy. We just would put our life on the line for, for, for showbiz. That's what it's all about. And so, you know, you've got to swing. And I thought, that's cool. I can't swim, but it will be all right. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think too much into it. I just thought, yeah, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll swing across and we, we collect whatever we had to collect and then bring it back the other side. Anyway, so the buzzer goes. It's like a two, three minute round. My turn comes, I jump on this rope. Obviously, I don't get across because, you know, I was that feeble, to be honest with you. <laughs> Fell right into the water and I spent those two minutes, literally, it's actually not even funny. I spent those two minutes gasping, trying to wave, trying to like, please, somebody, can you notice I'm sinking? I'm literally going to die. Like, I know this sounds really melodramatic and I'm laughing. But I can laugh 20 years later. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the time, I remember going, oh, my gosh. Like, why is nobody noticing? Like, there's all these people filming. How could nobody notice that I haven't come up for air? Like, and at that moment, I'll never forget this. At that moment where I almost felt like, that's it. Kate McIntyre, I just felt her arm reach into the water and pull me up. And I was like, <gasps> like, it was, it was like that. It was really dramatic. And um, it wasn't until afterwards, and I said to her, oh, my God, Kate, if you didn't save me at the moment, she goes, do you know what, Lee? It was funny because I looked around and I just didn't see you for ages. And then I saw you struggling. I pulled you up. And she genuinely saved my life, I think, because, honestly, if she didn't pick me up there, what would have happened was it would have just continued filming until the buzzer went. Yeah. You see what I mean? And yeah. at that point, who knows how long it would have taken somebody to recognise I was onto the water. And I don't recall there being any paramedics or ambulance. We were in the middle of nowhere, like somewhere like, I don't know, like it in was, the deep uh, part of Hertfordshire or somewhere like it that. It was Nottingham, was somewhere... I think it was, I think. Say that again? I think it was Nottingham because I tweeted Michael Underwood once to ask where was it? And he said Nottingham. Oh, so it might, must maybe, have been maybe, yeah. I remember it being somewhere far, but I don't. Yeah, maybe we stayed in a hotel and all that. Yeah, actually, mm. you're right. So this is what I mean. So I remember laughing with it when Michael afterwards said, you know, I was drowning in there. What were you doing? You were supposed to be presenting and commentating. How did you not see that I was under the bloody water? <laughs> <laughs> Me and him were really close and he, he actually laughed. He was like, do you know what? It's true. I couldn't see you for a while. but So he just kind of makes a, a joke of it. But um, yeah, yeah I, that was the day I almost died on Jungle Run. Oh dear! <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't expect that story, but uh, you did. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that you look back on it uh, and laugh now. Anyway, um, I really laugh. I did, to be honest with you, I'm glad to tell that story because I hadn't even remembered it until the other day. So it's quite funny. <laughs> um, I, I just hope that there was no, you know, there was no PTSD involved with that or anything like that. Well, you know, I still, I still tend to. I, go on the water and things like that when I go on holiday and things. So I still can't swim, though. Mm. I'm just putting that out there, which is <laughs> terrible. I could swim a little bit, but if yeah. I was asked to go on the jungle run again, 
I'd probably decline on that challenge, <laughs> but anything else I'd be up for. It's one of those shows I should definitely bring back. It was, it was fantastic. Oh, I'd love it. it was I'd great. love it. And Loved maybe it. next time I could host it, it would be even better. Even better. And also <laughs> as well, what you've not mentioned, whether that's deliberate or not, but all three of you got locked in at the end. <laughs> we did, yes. I forgot about that thing. We did. Yeah. <laughs> Jack, you're making me laugh. Yeah, we did. Gosh, you're taking me down memory lane. Um, we did get locked in. And I remember Michael ribbing us for months and months, just telling us how pathetic we were, how rubbish we were at the game. But we really, we weren't good. We weren't good, but I had a blinding time. You were beaten by teams of 10-year-olds. That's, that's, a, know, that's the thing right, you've got to live with. Right. Okay, don't rub it in. Enough's enough. No, I, I, I'm highly jealous. Anybody that's been on that show, I'm highly jealous of. It was, it was a fantastic yeah. show. And a whole generation of us remember it fondly. It's one of those yeah. shows that whenever it comes up, people go, oh, I'd love to have been on that. Yes. Yeah. So definitely. And uh, yeah, it was great and very impressive. And uh, of course, you had those two monkeys as well, which uh, were a nuisance. Good fun. Oh, yeah, Good I forgot their names. But yeah, those coconuts were hard. They weren't even soft props. They were real hardcore. Really? Stuff. I thought they were just yeah. foam or something. <laughs> Say that again. I thought they'd just be foam or something, just, you know. Like no, 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 no. It was real hard coconuts. So, like, that, that story I told you about me falling in the pool, what I didn't mention was as I was swinging, one of those coconuts hit me. Ouch. And it was really hard. So that kind of didn't help. The fact that I fell in. Um, so, yeah, they were hard, hard props. It wasn't easy. And two people were paid to do that, to sit around in monkey costumes and just chuck coconuts at people. Lucky them. Not bad. Not bad <laughs> not at bad. all. <laughs> Nobody knows who they were, though. Nobody knows. Never mentioned anywhere. No, no. no. So it will always be a mystery. <laughs> so um, you mentioned it towards the start. I'll, I'll mention it again towards the end. Um, you did get your own presenting, doing a, a video game show called Land Jam. Um, mm. Like you say, it was one, one of the first uh, video game shows. I think... The the one prior to that was Bad Influence years ago, but mm. this was kind of like the next generation. It was, um, yeah, yeah. But you say you, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't the best. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I remember being so excited to get that. I had to audition hard for that. I think it was about three auditions, and because I was an existing CITV presenter, then usually, if a CITV presenter auditions for something, you'd usually be looked upon more favourably first if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but obviously if somebody else was more suited for it, then they'd get it. Um, but I remember like being quite excited about Land Jam because it was cool. And I was very cool back then. Mm. I mean, people would argue that I'm still cool. I don't think I'm as cool now as I was when I was 20. But, you know, yeah. at that point I was super cool and it was like this computer show and it was all about gaming and all the rest of it. And it hadn't been done before in that way and about young people being able to play um, wherever they were. Um, so now we've got things like that. We can go onto our Xboxes now, whatever, and you could be in Brum and I could be in London and we could be playing away. But obviously that did not exist 20 years ago. So it was very much ahead of its time. Um, but, and the vibe was good. The way that the production was great. Like I said, I did three auditions and I remember it being really wordy scripts as well. And they were really pedantic about every single line. But I did it. I got it. Um, filmed it. was super excited. And it was great, even at the time, to look back on. But actually, I remember Michael used to tease me and just go, oh, yeah, land jam. <laughs> so that would be his little tease. And I'd be go, oh, yeah, well, Eliminator was marginally just as, you know, just a little bit better. Then Land Jam, if you remember Eliminator. I that Michael loved did. Eliminator. Oh, it was great. Did you love it? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I didn't like it. I thought it was so boring. But like I said, that's probably <laughs> only because Michael and I had this banter, yeah. to be honest. I can't really remember. Um, but I just remember that we just had this banter of, yeah, well, your show is rubbish. Yeah, well, so is yours. <laughs> uh, you know, but, but Land Jam, Land Jam was a bit pants, to be honest with you. But it was cool and it was a bit ahead of its time. Um but like everything, you're just happy that you've done it, isn't it? You're happy yeah. for the experience and the memory. Um, but I remember getting all the all the different games consoles from the production company, like every single game and every single games console they gave to me because I had to research, of course. 
so I had all like you know the Nintendos and the Xboxes and the Playstations and the it, oh, it was brilliant it was really brilliant so I was showing off to all my friends <laughs> with that just got paid to play video games all day i'm sure lots of people envy you for that <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly and um obviously like you presented and introduced a, a wide range of shows were there any that you really enjoyed watching even though you you know a bit too old for them at that point that you actually you know perhaps watched you know like when we were watching them and like you know the program was on in between in between the programs are you kind of like watching yeah. them as well and like really enjoying them yourself or any particular favorites yeah, sometimes we would be watching them because there was nothing else to do. We had to watch them, yeah. um, you know, but other times we're just having banter with the crew mm -hmm. and talking amongst ourselves. And me and Michael as a team, we were quite, um, we had a lot of chemistry as an on-screen couple. Yeah. So that chemistry on-screen was the same off-screen and we were constantly just bantering. We were like brother and sister, like constant do you know what I mean? Rib jabbing yeah, or whatever. Yeah, so they were, it was just always like that whenever we worked together. Um, but then if you weren't working, if we weren't working together and it could have been somebody else, then you might just be really quiet in between the shows and it could all be a bit boring. Mm -hmm. But as a general whole, yeah, um, we would watch if we felt like watching. We always have to actually have watched the first and last 10 minutes anyway, because we needed to know what we were going into and what we were coming out of. Yeah. So I think that was actually thinking of it. That was part of our production time in the day why we would come so early, because if my memory serves me correctly, I think we had to go through and watch those bits um, before going live. So we knew today coming up on Sooty, as you say, Sooty is making custard pies with sweep you know so you've got to yeah. kind of know that stuff um so yeah we would watch in between but my my favorites i liked everything on citv because i that was what i watched as a kid i wasn't a cbbc girl i was a citv girl so <laughs> same here all those yeah it was just so Always i'm CITV. just living it yeah i'm just in this thing so there were certain shows that i didn't like though everything else i did like but there it was more a case of what didn't you like yeah. So they were just certain shows that were just, oh, gosh, really boring. But <laughs> I love things like Hey Arnold, obviously, yeah. as told by Ginger. Sabrina, was the Teenage Witch, was huge in those days as well. Yeah, but then was, you also, yeah. do you remember things like Star Street and My Parents Are Aliens? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> Star Street so much was... Fun. Star Street is one of those shows that I look back on and think mm, that was a bit naff. It was it was a so pop band, naff, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> All stars, yeah, I remember, I remember. And the thing is, it kept getting commissioned yes. like, over and over again, and it was just <laughs> like they were actual real pop stars and stuff. It was quite funny, but then of course you had like the what was it? Was it S Club? Where did S Club come from? It wasn't from. Um, you, you had S, S Club, Club Juniors. S Club Juniors, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember was that, that CITV, wasn't it? I think... Because oh, I, I remember they'd come on our show, so they must have been. We didn't have CBBC people on our show. So I remember we'd had yeah. um, S Club Juniors on our show, um, but then it could have been them as a band. So I'm not sure. Might I'm not have to, too sure. Yeah, I might have to double-check that. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I did enjoy the shows. I didn't enjoy the preschool shows so much, obviously, <laughs> um, like Thomas the Tank Engine. I didn't necessarily enjoy... You know the first half an hour when it was just yeah. preschool? Preschool, yeah. I, I, yeah, I didn't enjoy the preschool bits. I wanted to just get to the meet where I could just be a bit more <laughs> Leah rather than with preschool. I felt like I had to be like, okay, I'm really kind of, you know, it's like yeah. a whole different the style more, of presenting. The more zany stuff that was on after, you know, after four o'clock, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I looked forward to that bit where it was like, okay, preschool's gone and now it's the main CITV. And so that was always fun. So, yeah, I liked all the shows. Well, most of them. Most of them. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, there were some good ones on and many that I remember remember fondly. Um, so, I mean, just a few more questions to wrap things up. I mean, when you were doing that, uh, doing CITV, did you ever have children come to you in the street and recognise you out and about, maybe in Brum or, or anywhere, really? Did you, did you ever get spotted? Was that ever strange? Constantly. I mean, <laughs> you have to bear in mind as well, we did not have social media back then. We didn't have anything like that. We didn't have all the channels we have now. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. 
if you were a kid, you were watching CBBC or you were watching CITV, and it's as simple as that. Yes, you did have Nickelodeon. Um, yes, you did have Disney, but those were on like Sky or, you know, they were the extra channels that you had to pay for. Um, so for CITV and CBBC, that was the key thing where kids got their entertainment is what happened when you came home from school. So like, oh my goodness, I couldn't go anywhere without kids, but even their parents, their parents would be just as excited as the kids. <laughs> it was yeah. really quite fun because they'd be like, oh my gosh, what? and it would happen all the time. And when myself and Michael would walk around Brum together, yeah, I mean, that would, that would just be crazy sometimes that like we'd walk through a supermarket and kids would be just running out. It would be constant. And you also didn't need to be a kid. You could just be an adult all the time, whether I was in my hometown, walking in London, whether I was in Birmingham, didn't matter. At that point of being on CITV for those two years, I was super recognized. That was, that is the real term of famous in those days. You know, now we have so many sort of social media influences and things like that. I think the term celebrity mm. and fame is very different to what yeah. it was back then. Back then, when you were recognized, when you were celebrated, this was a, a proper deal. It, you know, we're talking autographs by handwriting. We're not talking about, can I follow you? You know, give me a follow on Twitter. Do you see what I mean? Yes, you were yeah. recognized then, mm. you were recognized and you were worth your salt. And it was a very proud moment for me, not because at all of being famous, because I'd already experienced that when I was in the girl band, you know, for whilst that was going. But it was more a case of um, a nice sense of achievement that you're entertaining people enough that they're so excited to meet you and to see you like they can't believe it it's just really nice yeah certainly it must have been fun all good all mm. good fun and um so you finished in 2003 um why was this did you just uh, did you just decide to move on to the next big thing or did it just yeah to, to be honest end? with you it was difficult because you know it's all different types of um things to it really but I just felt like at that point um management had changed different execs had changed the exec who brought me in he'd left and I was super gutted about that mm. um it became different if you remember the set was no longer red and you know blue and and yellow it was white and I was kind of like the last person standing at that point and the whole the whole thing was so different and this was the last days of um I think after me was only um, Jay something, and they were both called Jays, Laura Jay and... Andy Jay and Laura Jay, Andy yeah. Jay, yeah. right, exactly. And that had to happen very quickly because I left quite quickly. Yeah. And I'll tell you why, but um, it, it, it had all just changed. Why I then left was because we got whiff at that point that CITV wasn't going to be lasting much longer. So I knew that. And I mm. also knew that they wanted me to just stay until that time would come. You know, I could. it was the beginning of the year, I remember, because Michael and I did our last show together. It was a Christmas show. And he's gone, and I'm now back in January, and I'm just depressed, going, oh, my gosh, I've now got to do this by myself. Because imagine, when I first started, there were, like, seven CITV presenters. Yeah, yeah. Two years later, it's now just me. Um, but then Disney got wind that I wanted to jump ship, and I got a call from Disney. And the guys over there offered me a really big contract and I could then meant that I could move back to London. I could be back with my family because also what was in my head was if CITV ends tomorrow, I'm now stuck in Birmingham with no job. How would I move back home? Where would I be? Where would I live? Do you see what I mean? So in my yeah. mind as well, I knew that I had to get back to London. So when Disney reached out and they were based in Chiswick, it was like a no brainer. So therefore, I just I, I, I moved on and I went to Disney and that was the next phase of, of my career. And everything happens for a reason. I watched it at that point and uh, I remember it vividly, you know, how it went from the big studio, like you say, the bright colours, and it just slowly wound mm. down. And then eventually it became just, you know, there was no in-vision continuity. It was all out of vision yes, and yes, it yes, moved to exactly. just the channel 
I mm-hmm. moved to just the channel on its own. And mm. at that point, that was when I was, you know, starting high school. So it kind of felt like my, you know, my childhood was kind of drawing to yeah. a close as well. So it all kind Aww. of ties in. Uh, yeah. But happy memories. And, and, you know, the good thing is, is that apart from that slight bleep, the majority of it was 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 happy memories for you. And I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Good fun. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant memories. You know, and even any time just in life in general, there are blips, but that's what life yeah. is about. And I can look back and just go, it doesn't matter if it was a negative moment, five minutes or whether it was a whole year, it doesn't matter. The point is, and and how I you know, want to sort of end this in this way is just by saying I had the best time of my life. It was the beginning of my career. I'm proud of it. I am still the first and only black female CITV continuity presenting all of its years of history mm-hmm. as we know it as then and and that in itself is a massive achievement so you know I'm I'm grateful and I'm and that is how I've learned my craft and that is how I've become as as good and as confident as I am today because of those humble beginnings I've I've been fortunate enough in the last 20 years to have a career I haven't stopped so you know I've worked for really really big brands I've worked in America I do red carpets I've worked of really, really huge opportunities. Um, I have my own presenting company, so I teach people how to present. It's called the Red Carpet Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I speak a lot of, of mental health and I do a lot of public speaking. So I'm very much in the public eye. I've never, I've never left um, and I still, I still do what I do. So I'm, I'm grateful to be one of the kids' TV presenters that can still say they're working now. 20 years on where I've seen many come and go and you've never heard of them again. Certainly. Um, so if people um, want to see what you're up to, I know you're very active on social media. How can people find you? At Leah Charles King everywhere. Whether it's Google, whether it's uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever, it's Leah Charles King. So you'll find me. Fantastic stuff. Well, Leah, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today and thank you for sharing yeah. your memories. Thank you so much for asking me, Jack. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant podcast you're doing and it's so unique as well. Uh, I, I love it. I love it. So best of luck with it and thank you for having me. Thank you so much. A big thank you to Leah for taking part and sharing her fantastic memories. I'll be back very soon with another throwback attack and don't forget you can check out plenty of past episodes online and I do have a blog page as well, jackstrowbackattack.blogspot.com. Until next time, I'll see you soon.